0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a guest with us today, then we want to welcome you again. Our church has been right in the middle of a really exciting season of opportunity as a church. We, we've been in escrow on a piece of, of land and some buildings right in the middle of Riverside. We entered escrow in July, and so we have a six-month escrow period. Here's a picture of the property. It's on Alessandro and Glenhaven Boulevard. This is one of the busiest and most visible uh, streets in our area. It's 5.3 acres of property. Uh, this this space is owned by the city of Riverside. We have been in here for the past 11 years, since 2008. We set up and tear down every week as, as a church. Lots of volunteers involved in the process. Uh, we have... Uh, looking at the records of what has been spent on this property, we spent about $900,000 over the last 11 years to, to lease this space, which is great to have a, a, a place to meet every week. And so it has been one of the best places we think we could have met at. Uh, but in the, in the future, we have been praying that God would provide an opportunity for us to, to buy something that we could pay down and then eventually give us an inheritance to future generations of this church. And so uh, this property would allow us, it's 5.3 acres, it would allow us to build a future church campus in the years ahead. Uh it's it it is uh it it was the former Riverside Swim and Tennis Center. And so if we can close escrow on this property, uh we kick off phase 1 of four phases. This is actually phase 4. Completed phase 4, that's what it would look like. 290 uh, something parking spaces, a 600 seat auditorium, a kids preschool, student area, a nursery, offices, uh, training space a courtyard. Right now, it's, it's, it's eight tennis courts and a couple of pools that have been filled in because it was a former aquatic center. And so the first thing for phase one is just to buy the land, buy the land and renovate the two existing buildings that are there so that we can get our offices operational on site as soon as possible. Uh, this is really a process that would be over many years. Uh, we hope to build this over over many years, and so it's helpful to see this kind of an image because it is it's our long term vision. It, it represents a lot for us. We can actually envision a property that has uh, room for worship and for training and for weddings and for student and children's uh, spaces for reaching our community. Uh, all opens up all sorts of possibilities that we currently don't have. But the first step is probably the most important step for us just to secure the property. That's probably the most important step. If we can't secure the property, uh, they can't, we, we can't move through the phases. And so it's also probably the, the most challenging of all steps because of how how much we have to raise up front. And so just getting in the door has been really a faith-building challenge. Now, we agreed with the seller back in July on a $2.15 million purchase price. And we need 35% for a down payment plus additional closing costs and reserves on top of that as well. And so this whole effort is a huge concerted effort as a church. It's sort of like we've described it as a group, pole vault. And so if you can imagine, we've all been sprinting down the track, and we've put the stick in the ground, and now we've been springing up, and we're, we're trying to see if we can get high enough uh, to be able to, to, to get this property. And, so, and then after getting over even the down payment and being able to close on the sale, it would become then like a marathon for our church uh, for the years ahead. We would launch into a capital campaign even next year, and so over about two years, our church has raised three hundred and forty-eight thousand five hundred dollars in a fund called uh, in an effort called Prep. It was it was an effort to just get ready. This was before we knew about this property. We had been sens- sensing that we needed to save a lot of money for the future, and so three hundred nearly three hundred fifty thousand dollars came in. In the previous two years. And then on September the 19th of this year, uh, just 87 days ago, we set out to raise an additional $400,000 above that amount, uh, because we knew we needed a lot more. That at, at that point, that was our best estimate from about three months ago about, of what we might need. And so we set that goal. It seemed at that point like a, like an enormous goal. It really is. It was an enormous goal. Uh, Currently, as of last night, we last night, we were at three hundred (laughs) and eighty five thousand five hundred dollars. What's what's really amazing about this is that's eighty six days. And it's not that we went from three forty eight to three eighty five. It's that we went from three forty eight. And on top of it, another three hundred and eighty five thousand plus has been given in eighty six days. Praise God. Praise God. I mean, that's only God could have done this. Now, likely, we're going to clear the 400,000 goal today through our offering and our services and online giving and text giving. And in fact, I hope we clear it by a mile, uh, because we may need to clear it by a mile. And because if you've ever purchased real estate, if you've ever done a remodel, uh, you never really know all of all of what it's going to cost. And so uh, we set that goal. And this past week has been a series of twists and turns. It's been been sort of a nail-biter journey for us this week. Every single day has been, we, we need more information. And when are we going to hear this and that? And so we're constantly in conversation with our lender. We're negotiating terms, even yesterday, with our seller, uh, just trying to improve the terms that we have. And we have to make a, a go-no-go decision by Thursday. And so Thursdays is when we put more deposit money down to the seller and would enter a closing escrow period. And so, if if today, if you came prepared to give to this because you were looking at December fifteenth as the day you would come and give, then if God has given you clarity on on what to give and how to give, uh, today would be the day to give it. If you've been mulling and praying and sorting, uh, today is really the, the last time to get in on this before. Uh, The deadline. It doesn't mean we won't receive gifts because we know we'll need far more for the phases that are, you know, this is sort of just the beginning. But today really, for us, gives us a real helpful indicator on what all of our options are. And so here are the different ways you can give this morning. You can give through text giving, online giving, and probably the easiest way is in the offering envelope. Uh, The key there is that you need to make sure it goes to the building and expansion fund. So inside your program is an envelope and if you open the envelope, you'll see there's some different lines. One says tithe and offering. Another one says the building and expansion fund. So if you wanted to go towards the building fund, it needs to be written on the proper line so that it goes to the right place. Now, we couldn't have predicted all that would be needed when we set the goal three months ago, uh, but God knew the whole time. He knew, he knew what we would need. Uh, he knows if we're going to have enough when all the dust settles, we can trust him with that. Now, this reminds me of when Pharaoh released the Israelites. In, in in the book of Exodus, you read about this, or if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you've probably seen that, to where the Israelites were captive. They were the workforce, the labor force in Egypt, and God raised up a deliverer named Moses to set them free and to lead them out of captivity and lead them towards a promised land. And Pharaoh didn't want to do that. Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. Uh, eventually, his heart was persuaded, and he 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 released them to leave. But he had said you could leave several times and he changed his mind. And so when he said you can go, Moses said, Everyone pack your stuff quickly, let's we gotta get on the road. And so quickly people gathered their belongings and their people and they headed out out of Egypt. Well, Pharaoh changed his mind and he sent his troops to chase after the Israelites. And so something I want to point out this morning is this. With where we 're at in this property process, we need to trust God, not the dollars that have come in we we don 't want to trust in the dollars we want to trust in the lord god who who can provide and if this is his will, then then he 'll provide it and we 've been trusting him all along so here here 's what happens next everything from this morning 's earlier service and this service will be added up from today we 'll check the p o box uh church the uh, Church staff will check the PO box tomorrow. Everything will be added up. We're going to post another update tomorrow night to say, here's where we're at as of Monday night. And then our property purchase team is set to meet on Wednesday night and we'll decide go or no go. And it really will depend on a handful of factors that, um, even beyond the money, that we're, that will affect what we'll need financially. And so our due diligence period ends on Thursday. Then next Sunday in our services, we'll announce the decision And we'll announce our next steps. For those of you who won't be here in in service on Sunday, we're going to see if we can do a live stream on on Facebook. And if that doesn't work, we're just going to post a video on our website shortly after service is out. But the closer that we go into the go no-go decision this Thursday, we're getting a clearer picture of what it will take to close the sale. And so we're still waiting on a critical part of the process. One major piece here is we need a strong appraisal. And so if you're a praying person, we would, we would love for you to pray that we would get a strong appraisal at or well, uh, even above our, our uh, purchase price, our offer price. We were supposed to have our appraisal. You need an appraisal to, to close these kinds of deals and to get lending. And so we were supposed to have our appraisal by last Monday, and it didn't come. And now we're told we'll have it by Wednesday. <laughs> Our, our property purchase team had that on the calendar to, to meet Wednesday night. We've had that on the calendar for a while, and, but we were told we'll get the appraisal on Wednesday, Lord willing. And so we'll meet as a team to decide, please pray for a strong appraisal above our offer, even to as close as $2.5 million. If we can get far above our offer, that would be so helpful. And so just to clarify, we're not walking away with a set of keys to a new property in December uh, but the, the last 86 days really has communicated that the OCC church family is is sacrificing and is united, and so we're just really excited to see how this all plays out. Only God could have taken us this far, because there have been so many points where we thought, oh, we're not going to get past this next hurdle. And so, if you've been with us through this journey, you 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 know what I'm talking about. So let's pray together, and before we launch into the message, Father, thank you for this time, and, and we ask you to. Direct our hearts as we look at your word right now. Would you would you speak to us as we open up your truth? Would you help us to grasp the right perspective on this season, Christmas time, Lord? Father, we pray for this giant effort. Lord, you know what's needed. I pray that it would come in, Father. I pray that you would provide miraculously far above what we have sensed we needed in order to meet all that you see and all that is needed, Lord. I pray that even here in this room, God, that that. Unexpected things might happen today, God. And we, we just love you. We look to you, God. You are uh, our only hope, God. And so we, we look to you. Our eyes are on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this series is called Rethink Christmas. And last week we talked about how to spend less emotionally because we tend to spend a lot more emotionally at Christmas time. The week before that, we talked about how to worship more fully. And then this morning we're going to look at how to offer more of our lives. This Christmas. How do we offer more of ourselves? How do we extend ourselves and, and really turn ourselves uh, inside out for the sake of, of other people? Now, have you ever experienced receiving a Christmas gift that was incomplete? Like, you got most of the gift? Like, you couldn't enjoy the gift because it wasn't fully there yet? Uh, for example, like, have you ever, do you, did you ever receive something like this? Like, a gaming system with, with no games. Or with only one controller, and you're like, this is great, playing by myself, you know. Or or an Instapot, but it's like missing the cord, like maybe the box was damaged and, you know, someone got a good deal on it, (laughs) the cord was missing though, and you're like, where's the cord? You know, I can't make our dinner tonight, Or, or what about an electric guitar without an amplifier? It's just not the same. I bet we've all experienced that. we've received gifts where the where even the batteries weren't included like i I remember receiving gifts like this uh through the years, and they never come with batteries and so i you know I'm hunting the house when I was a kid, and you got to find four d batteries which none of us ever have extra d batteries you know lying around and so you have to wait till Monday because I grew up a lot of the stores weren't. You, know, you couldn't get to the stores to get the batteries and so you just have to wait patiently to to race this car which it would you know it would fall apart once it hit something yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> now thankfully when we consider Christmas the celebration of the birth of our savior king not only was god not cruel or stingy but just the opposite of, is true god offered us the complete gift in jesus if you like you can follow along on this listening guide god offered us the complete gift in Jesus. I want to look at John chapter 1. Let's start with verse 1. It reads this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on and it describes this character, this reference to the Word. Who is that, the Word? He, he was there at creation, it says. He was there with God, and he's actually identified as God. And it, it goes on and it says that and just some references to the passage, everything was made through him, nothing was made that was, has, has been made, in him was life, the light was, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Later on in verse 10, it says, he was in the world, though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. This is all describing this, this character, the word. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. And on and on in verse 14, if you speed up verse 14, it identifies who this person is. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God himself left heaven and came to earth as Jesus. Jesus is is the word. He was there in creation with God the Father. And he is God. He's declared as the word was God. And so it says in this passage, it goes on and says, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, key point here is the eternal God came to be with us. He came to this earth to be with us. This is known as the Incarnation. God coming to earth and dwelling among men. God took a step down towards us. The eternal God did this. He took on flesh. He took on blood. He left heaven. He willingly set aside the rights and the privileges of being God while he was on earth. He was still fully God while he was here, but he limited himself to become also fully man. And so, and he's described in that passage as one who is full of grace and full of truth. What does that mean? Full of grace and full of truth. It means he's full of grace. He, it means that's the undeserved kindness. He's full of, of that, undeserved kindness, of mercy. He's also full of truth, meaning that he, Jesus, set the standard of what is true, what is, what is right. He was full of truth, grace and truth. He gave the very best picture of what God is like. It's almost like before he came to earth, people had in their mind sort of an incomplete image what God was like. Sort of like a puzzle that is missing some some pieces. Have you ever spent hours on a puzzle only to later find out that there's chunks missing? And some kid got into the box, and you're like, ah, oh, all this time, and we, we can't even complete this thing. When Jesus came to earth, he came and he brought and he was what was missing in the world. And so the passage continues in verse 15. It says, John speaking about a man named John the Baptist. John testifies concerning him, concerning Jesus. John was a prophet, and his role was to preach messages of repentance, calling people to turn away from their sin and turn towards God and to prepare themselves for the Savior who was coming. So it says, John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. So even though John was older than Jesus in age, John John was actually six months older in age. John was actually saying Jesus pre existed his life. He's highlighting that this in fact is the eternal God. Now look at verses sixteen and seventeen. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing. After another a little a more literal translation would read grace upon grace. We've all received grace upon grace one blessing after another Verse 17 says for the law was given through moses Grace and truth came through jesus christ. So here we have this picture of this Abundant supply of grace that will never run dry. We're all we're all pretty used to running out of grace For people aren't we you have like a grace level We have grace but we we leak. (laughs) You don't even realize that you're leaking grace. (laughs) And so we start running out of grace for others, but not God. For for those who receive Christ as Savior and as Lord, He has a never-ending flow of grace towards us pouring into our lives. And without that, we're totally without hope. We are we find out that we're still dead in our sins without his grace. We're buried under sin guilt and shame But in christ we actually experience the fullness of the grace of god Now god's law is referenced in verse 17 right there. It says for the law was given through moses These are the the commandments of god The law of god you read about them in the old testament and the Israelites tried to follow The law that was given to them and the law points people in the direction to move in. It's the right way to go. These are the boundaries. You want to move in this direction, but the law can't save us. The law was given through Moses, but grace saves us. Only grace can save. That's why we celebrate Christmas every year because this is, this is something we desperately needed. At, at the very first Christmas, God didn't just give us more stuff. He didn't send a present to us. He gave us his son. He gave God sent his son to die the death that we deserved because of our sin. That freedom and that forgiveness is the ultimate gift. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas every year. It's a celebration of what we needed and how what we've received in Christ. And the thing is Jesus, you know, he didn't just he didn't just mail a gift to us. He came. He came in the flesh. Think about the expression of love here. That God came is a huge expression of love. This is the king of kings. The king of the whole universe descends in Jesus in order to offer his life for us. It's powerful. What a challenge. This challenges us when it comes to relating to other people in grace. It's hard to be gracious towards others, but God showered his grace on us. A lot of times when it comes to Christmas, we start asking the question like, hey, what's the bare minimum that I can do this, this Christmas season? I know I'm going to have to visit with a lot of family members. I'm going to I'm gonna have to exchange gifts. and What's the bare minimum? How many of these parties do I have to go to? How long do I have to stay at this party? Do I have to talk to so-and-so? <laughs> what's the bare minimum? Over 20 years ago, uh, one, of, one of my wife and I's college professors uh, he took the time, one of my college professors, took the time to help my wife and I prepare for marriage. I asked him I asked him if he and his wife would do premarital counseling for us. And he, and he said, uh, and he was a professor of psychology and behavioral sciences. He knew counseling in his background. I said, hey, would you do our premarital counseling? We're getting married in June. And he said, oh, I, I don't do that sort of thing. But if we can spend some time with you guys. We'll hang out with you guys, he and his wife. And I, I thought, all right, we'll take you up on that. And so we started getting together and, and went to dinner, and we talked about God's purposes in marriage, God's goal in marriage. And we talked about roles and communication, and it, it, it sort of sounded like premarital counseling to me. <laughs> and, it, you know, and as he's laying out marriage, it all sounded so easy. We were both 21. How hard could it be? Anyway, time came for us to send out invitations, and so we sent Nathan and Tina, he and his wife, we sent them a wedding invitation, not expecting them to come. It was six hours north, but we wanted to let them know they were invited. And and so we sent them an invitation. They live in Southern California. The wedding was going to be in San Jose, six hours to the north. What a shocker at my wedding day to see Nathan and Tina there, our college professor and his wife. They went so far out of their way to celebrate our wedding. You know, they, they could have just written a card or sent a gift they went so far out of their way, and, and to me, it felt like I hardly knew them. And then for a few months, I, I, I kept thinking to myself, who does that? Where does that come from? Why would they do that? And I got real curious. And so after our, mer- after our wedding, got back to Riverside, we started looking for a church that would be our church to call home. And, and we thought, you know what? We want to check out our professor's church. And, and so we just – we loved – the time with him, we thought, I wonder what's, what that's all about. So we went to his church, and we experienced a group of people who loved people like that as a way of doing life together. And I remember after about four months, after being a part of that church and deciding that's where I want to be a part of that, I want that to be my church home. I remember that professor, he, he called me up one night, and he said, hey, I want to invite you to join me and go to this conference in Texas. And he said, it's coming up, and I want you to be my guest. I'm going to pay for your flight, your lodging, your food. It's a conference, and I want you to meet my mentor. He's leading the conference, and it's a conference of on the wisdom of the Bible. And again, I'm just shocked, and I'm thinking, why? Like, why? Who does that? Like, Because all of that was totally undeserved. And so over time, again and again, we just experienced this undeserved kindness through that couple. And 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 that's the power of experiencing God's grace. See, when when someone experiences God's grace, you realize how bad it was. And then God forgives you of for your sin and reorients your life and turns your life inside out. Then you're able to offer more of yourself and extend yourself for other people. And that's what we experienced as recipients of that kindness and grace. You know, you, you don't just... Think happy thoughts or warm thoughts about people. You don't love just from a distance. You actually step towards people. That's what Jesus did. He stepped towards us. And that's what we can do. We can offer more of our lives to others. We can extend ourselves for others. And so in honor of, of God doing that, in honor of God coming to earth, I want to highlight just really quickly four gifts of grace that we can offer this Christmas. These are at the bottom there. Because you're going to interact with a bunch of people. And these are gifts of sacrifice to some, some small degree, some really large degree, gifts of, of, of grace. Here's one. The first gift of grace is this. It's patience with gracious speech. We're going to need this, aren't we? A lot of holiday parties, a lot of holiday gatherings. You're going to need a lot of grace, or patient, gracious speech with people. You're going to see family members you don't often see. And you may have to brace yourself for that experience. You, you might go to parties with coworkers who've dropped the ball at times. You might, you might interact with friends who've disappointed you. But these conversations can be a gift of grace to others if we'll use God's guidance for gracious speech. Look at his guidance, Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This type of gracious speech is a gift to people. It can be a gift in the gatherings that we, that we are a part of, but it requires patience. It requires consideration. We can't just sort of let words fly at the gatherings. Proverbs 15.1 actually says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so it's tough when we're interacting. Maybe this is where you really struggle in your life, or maybe this has been just a difficult, difficult season, so it's hard to be patient and gracious. And so I would say, ask God to grow. Let's ask God to grow us in this area. That's the first gift. Here's the second gift of grace to offer others. It's just a good attitude. What I mean by this is to pattern our attitude after Jesus's attitude. Look at what Philippians 2 states about Jesus. Paul writes to one church, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is a high, high standard, the attitude of Jesus. Your attitude should be the same, verse 5, as that of Christ Jesus. Now the advantage of the incarnation, the advantage of God taking on flesh and blood, is that we can get a picture of how to live in the life of jesus we can read about his life in the new testament and we can see jesus's attitude towards people now a bad attitude flows from thinking too much about myself and about what i think i deserve isn't that true a bad attitude just flows out of a sense of entitlement and what we think we deserve but notice that jesus didn't demand the kind of treatment that he actually was entitled to verse six says again who of jesus who being in very nature god because he was god he didn't consider equality with god something to be grasped you know jesus god in the flesh he set out to serve the last part of verse seven says that he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness that brings us to the next gift of grace we can offer to people kindness kindness that meets needs Ephesians 4.32, real simple verse, but hard to apply, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. That's a gift you can give to people this Christmas. One shade of meaning for the word kindness is to be useful. This is one way of understanding what that word kindness means. To be useful. In other words, you set out to meet the needs of Of The people you're with, you you help with practical things like at the party you're going to go to or the family gathering. You help out like doing the dishes or taking out the trash or helping to prepare the meal. I mean, those are acts of kindness. You can be useful. It means maybe writing a thoughtful note of appreciation. But notice the passage, it says kindness and compassion. We're to be compassionate, meaning we we got to engage. We move towards people. Again, God moved towards us. Not detaching ourselves emotionally, but stepping towards people just like Jesus did, extending ourselves. And kindness really flows from a tender heart, which really leads us to the last gift of grace, and it's this. It's forgiveness like Jesus gives us. Man, what a gift to give people this Christmas. Maybe you've been locked up with some hurt and some bitterness and some resentment. The last part of that verse, Ephesians 4.32, says, forgiving each other just as christ forgave you god wants that same forgiveness that we have received and that he's extended to us to flow through our lives out to others in real forgiveness that means we actually have to get if it's true forgiveness it means we have to let our heart get involved in that that's not easy it's easy to think oh, i could deal with that but not really be impacted at the heart level but forgiveness from the heart means I struggle through the hurts. I struggle through and I process the pain and I fight the bitterness. And forgiveness frees you from the prison that resentment and bitterness will lock you up in. So I want to encourage you as our worship team comes back up to the stage. I want to encourage you to pray over and really think through the gifts of grace that you can offer to others this Christmas. Get practical, get, get specific, get tangible about how you apply what you've experienced. If you've experienced God's grace, get, get tangible in how you give grace out to other people this Christmas. Again, it's not just enough to think warm thoughts of people. God wants us to, in tangible ways, extend ourselves and offer more of our lives To others, we put the at the bottom of the listening guide the next steps. And so maybe circle one area where you sense that God is asking you to apply this this morning's message to. And uh, we'll we'll spend some time praying right now, and then we'll we'll continue on into our service. Father, thank you for bringing us all out here this morning. It's a joy to be together. It's a joy to sing uh, these carols and these familiar songs. Uh, But more than the memories of the songs, the meaning of the songs matter so much more we have experienced your great kindness, your love, your mercy. Father, thank you for the way that you've made for us to know you through your son, through sending him to offer his life, to die in our place. Father, we but we have to choose to to receive you. And so God for those that are here that have never received you, Lord, I pray that you'd prompt them to engage with you to get questions answered to get more and more clarity on what it means to to know christ father thank you for all you're doing in our lives and our church I, i pray for the many gatherings that will be occurring this next week and the following week lord as we see people we haven't known or seen in a while or meet some strangers lord i pray that we would be people who who bring your light everywhere we go would you help us, Lord, where we fall short, where we uh, don't have the power to, to to change the struggles we face, Lord. But with you, God, all these things are possible. So, Lord, would you uh, use us, God, change us. Thank you so much for your word, how it speaks to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church Podcast.